right, everybody, I want to welcome you to Pastor's Point of View. Today is episode number 183. Today is Friday, October the 22nd, 2021. My name is um, Dr. Andy Woods. I'm the pastor teacher here at Sugarland Bible Church. I'm back with my friend, colleague, fellow elder, Associate Pastor Dr. Jim McGowan. And Jim, you know, we haven't been uh, having PPOV the last couple of weeks. And it's not because we got incarcerated into some kind of, you know, FEMA camp. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's because of a busy conference schedule. So we appreciate all of the contacts people give us expressing concern where did you guys go yeah it just has to do with scheduling but we are back and we've got a lot to report on because we've got we've got two weeks of news to make up for that's a lot that's a lot and so a lot so let's look at our outline here here's our five point outline as we bring to you today a prophecy update and we are going to start with the nation of israel Why do we start with the nation of Israel? Because as far as God is concerned, Israel is the centerpiece of everything. That's right. Including Bible prophecy. Yes. And there's a very interesting article that came out in the Jerusalem Post, October 7th, 2021. And it has to do with a court ruling allowing Jewish prayers on the Temple Mount. Imagine that. Yeah. And so what, what does that say? All right, folks, Palestinians expressed outrage and warned of an escalation on Thursday after a court ruling on Wednesday implied support for allowing quiet prayer by Jewish visitors on the Temple Mount. The first such official recognition of the practice, which has gone relatively undisturbed for the past year and a half. Shai Glick, CEO of the Betzalmo NGO, welcomed the ruling on Wednesday, calling it the first time that it was explicitly stated that Jews have the full right to pray on the Temple Mount. The court ruling has drawn outrage from Jordanians and Palestinians with warnings that such moves could escalate the situation in the region. So there we have the Temple Mount, which is one of the most disputed pieces of real estate in the history of the world as I speak. Israel rightfully believing that that's where the original Solomonic uh, temple Yep. Once stood. Yep. Islam, very late in the game, because the word Jerusalem is not even found in the Quran. Yeah. Uh, suddenly <laughs> deciding that that's their holy site, because that's where Muhammad ascended back to Allah on a steed named Barak. Yes. Can't make this stuff up, no, can you we? No, can't. No. Nope. And so it's a disputed piece of real estate. And here's this ruling allowing Israelis to pray on the Temple Mount. You've seen there the picture of the rabbi and the Jews there on the Temple Mount praying. Mm-hmm. And why would this be a big deal? Because it's a, um, a concession that Israel owns that piece of real estate. Yeah. And as that moves into the um, fabric of our thinking and their thinking, 
the stage is now set for them to say, okay, this is our territory, and mm-hmm. we're going to rebuild mm-hmm. the third temple on that piece of real estate. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. why this is prophetically significant. In other words, a ruling like this, to my mind, paves the way <laughs> yes. for the prospect yes, it does. of the third temple. Now, why would we Absolutely. be concerned about the third temple that Israel will be rebuild? Well, we know that from Bible prophecy. Uh, there will be a third temple. And in the middle of the week, he, Daniel 9, verse 27, mm-hmm. that's the Antichrist, will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering and on the wing of abominations Mm -hmm. will come one who makes desolate. Now, it's impossible for the Antichrist to go into the rebuilt Jewish temple, put an end to the sacrificial system within the temple, offer up a pagan image in the temple, all of which Bible prophecy demands that he will do. Yep. Revelation 13, verse 15, unless a temple's in existence and functioning. Hello. <laughs> That's right. And so when you look at Daniel 9, verse 27, which is our overview of the tribulation period, you can see that this is an event that we believe will happen right in the middle of the seven-year tribulation. Yes. And so what we are anticipating coming into existence at some point, and we're not exactly told when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, is it going to happen before the rapture, after the rapture, before the beginning of the tribulation, after the beginning of the tribulation? We're given no information about that. Right. The only thing we can say with absolute certainty is that it has to be standing and functioning midway through the tribulation. And so when you see movements within Israel to you know claim that territory as their own, and that ruling is unprecedented. It, it really is. It says the first such official recognition yeah. of the practice, the first time that it was explicitly stated that Jews have full mm-hmm. right to pray on the Temple Mount. Um, as Israel moves in that direction, we think it's paving the way for yeah. Temple Number Three. Yes, sir. And when you look at Israel's four temples, two past, two future, we're talking about the third one. And if you want to know where in the Bible this is found, it's predicted in Daniel 9, verse 27, Matthew 24, verse 15, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, and Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Now, what's very interesting, Brother Jim, is you, as you look at this, it's entitled, A Brief Guide to Al-Haram, Al-Sharif, Jerusalem. This is great. Originally published in 1924, and the final edition of this was in 1950. This is a Muslim, come from a Muslim yes. sources. Yes. This is a Muslim <clears throat> um, sort of a tour guide type of thing. Yeah. Tour guide promotional brochure. Mm-hmm. And in it, the Muslims themselves, as late as 1950, <laughs> admitted yep. that Solomon built the original temple on the area that they now call their, what do they call it, their third most holy site. Mm -hmm. Mecca and Medina are their two most popular or holiest sites in their way of thinking, and now the Temple Mount is the third. Um, And what's so interesting is their own promotional literature used to deny what they're claiming is their own. Yes. And what does that 
tour guide pamphlet or information say? This is a very good thing to keep in mind that whenever you put something in writing, it can always come back and bite you. Well, here it is, folks. From our Muslim friends, the site, this site or the site is one of the oldest in the world. Its sanctity dates from the earliest, perhaps from prehistoric times. Its identity with the site of Solomon's temple is beyond dispute. This, too, is the spot, according to the universal belief, on which David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And this wasn't written by a Jew. No. So... Where they wow. where they are now claiming, you know, is their third most holy mm. site, is where they once acknowledged that this is where the Solomonic <laughs> Temple stood. Yep. And it's also mm. where David built an altar as he offered burnt offerings and he he bought that, you remember, from the Old Testament from Arana, if I'm yeah. pronouncing yeah. that right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh the Jebusite. Yeah. And isn't it interesting here that they also give credit credence to the Old Testament because they mention Solomon and David. That's very interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yes. So that area today is very, very disputed. It wasn't disputed initially, <laughs> no. but now it's disputed. Yeah. But now you've got this ruling within Israel allowing the Jews unfettered access to pray. Yeah. Um, on that Temple Mount, this is and I, I don't know how to interpret this other than the way is being paved, the stage is being set for the rebuilding of the Third Temple, which Bible prophecy demands will happen. We keep seeing things <laughs> like this happen. You know, it's like for years and years and years, people have wondered, well, how is this going to happen, or how is that going to happen? And here's an example where, as you just said, they've paved the way for you know the Temple to be built, whether they realize it or not. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't think they do realize. They don't. It. Um, now, what's very interesting is the current prime minister of Israel is a, is a man by the name of Naftali Bennett. Mm-hmm. He at one time was seeking a lower office. So this is a dated article. This goes back to February eighteenth, twenty twenty. Yeah. And it's from Israel Today, and the title of it is Israel Defense Minister. These are the days of the Third Temple. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) Biblical and prophetic themes (laughs) play a big role in Israeli politics. So the current prime minister, going back a year or two, once indicated that we're living in the days of the third temple. Yeah, there it you know, is. It's almost as if God put into place the right man to allow for this third temple to be rebuilt. Yeah. But refreshed our memory, what did this uh what did uh, Naftali <laughs> Bennett say when he was at a, in another office, a lower office? All right. Israel Defense Minister Naftali Bennett last Wednesday, insisted that these are the days of the Third Temple and that the modern state of Israel is very much a part of the prophesied global redemption. Bennett went on to explain that despite its long history, Israel has only managed to rule as a unified nation in this land for two very short periods, and that because of the internal divisions and the failure to submit to a central authority, quote, we have had a state twice where we ruled as united people. The first time, it only lasted 80 years. King David, 40. 
then King Solomon 40. After that, we separated, said Bennett. Quoting again, the second time we were sovereign for only 74 years during the Hasmonean dynasty. Likewise, the second temple was destroyed because everyone followed their own rules. Kind of sounds like the judges, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yes. The defense minister said this before exclaiming, quote, We need to understand the big picture. Today, we are in the time of the third temple. Close quote. So that's why he wants this third temple. He says, let's do a little history of Israel. And he gives a history lesson that yeah. reads right out of the old, our Old Testament. Sure does. And he says, you know, there are two times when we had a united kingdom, A, under Solomon's reign, mm-hmm. and B, in what's called the Hasmonean time period, you know, in Persian. the intertestamental time period, yeah, when yeah. Persia mm-hmm. and then later Greece, you yeah. know, was in control. Yep. And that was a wonderful time in Israel's history where Solomon's reign, you know, went basically from... Uh, the Euphrates all the way to the border of Egypt. Mm -hmm. And he said the only other time it happened is during the 74 years of independence during the Hasmonean dynasty. And he says, you know, what did both time periods have in common? We had a temple yeah, because we were united Mm -hmm. around it. So if we're going to be united again, we need a third temple. And that's why he said when he was in a lower position, today we are in the time of the third temple. Well, now the guy that said that is the prime minister of the whole nation. Imagine that. (laughs) During a time period (laughs) when a court comes out and rules that Israel has a right to pray on the Temple Mount, an unprecedented ruling. And so we see these things as prophetically significant, don't we? You think God knew that this man was going to become prime minister? <laughs> yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's sort of heartbreaking that Netanyahu's not there. Yeah. But God puts a different guy in a position. God raises up one, yep. lowers another, exalts one, abases another. Yep. To, so right. the specifics of his word can be fulfilled. Amen. Speaking of Israel, we have another prophetic development concerning Israel of a conference that just happened. This is an article from World Net Daily, and the author of this is Bob Unruh, October the 10th, 2021. And if you if you track the links um, concerning this particular article, it will take you directly to the, a translation by a group called Memory, M-E-M-R-I, that stands for the Middle East Media Research Institute, translating a recent conference sponsored by Hamas <laughs> when their whole topic of discussion is, what are we going to do when Israel disappears? Now, this is a frightening one. Yeah. The title of this is, Conference Considers Which Jews Should and Should Not Be Killed. Mm-hmm. Concern about a brain drain after Israel's disappearance. So they're already planning for Israel to disappear. Right. And they're trying to figure out well, we can't kill all the Jews because we need some around because of their expertise and medical knowledge, technological knowledge. So they're having a whole conference to decide which Jew is going to live and which Jew is going to die. Yeah. And why is this prophetically significant? Because the Bible says the world will come against Israel in the last days. And here's a whole conference where they're already developing the ideas. Yeah. They're preparing for the next Holocaust. Yeah, the they words. are. 
are. So what does that article uh, say to us? And folks, as I read this article, listen carefully to the undertone of what's going on here besides what the article actually says. Listen to this. A conference sponsored by the terror organization Hamas has considered the question of how to decide after Israel's disappearance which Jews should and should not be killed in future Palestine. There also is concern over a potential brain drain should Jews with special knowledge be allowed to leave, according to a report from the Middle East Media Research Institute. Memory reported that just days ago, a conference, Promise of the Hereafter, post-liberation Palestine, was organized by Hamas leader Yahya al-Sinwar in Gaza. It was attended by senior officials from Hamas and other factions. Its focus was on the future administration of a planned Palestine after it is liberated from Israel and that nation disappears, the report said. Also addressed in the statement were ways to govern before elections, plans for engaging neighboring states and the world, the need for advanced appropriate legislation ideas for continuing the economy since the Israeli shekel will be dropped and more. The conceptual statement also, quote, called for preventing a brain drain of Jewish professionals and for the retention of educated Jews and experts in the area of medicine, engineering, technology, and civil and military industry who should not be allowed to leave. Pause for a second. Mm. Hmm. Wonder why they're wanting to keep some Jews alive. Isn't that interesting? The report says that. It also insisted on a list of names of people who would be targeted in an effort to purge Palestine and the Arab and Islamic homeland of this hypocrite scum. The statement itself makes clear that when it succeeds to uh, the defunct state of Israel, Palestinian officials will decide just what to do with any agreements that are in effect at that time. It continued, Educated Jews and experts in the areas of medicine, engineering, technology, and civilian and military industry should be retained in Palestine for some time and should not be allowed to leave and take with them, watch this now, the knowledge and experience that they acquired while living in our land (laughs) and enjoying its bounty while we paid the price for all this in humiliation, poverty, sickness, deprivation, killing, and arrest, close quote. So Israel's enemies, if this translation is accurate, and we think it is, have a conference where they very boldly announce Israel's going to disappear, except we've got one little problem. Some of the Jewish people have too much knowledge to be killed off, whether it's industry, technology, medicine. So some of them have to be kept alive. And they're just having a conference as if all of this is a done deal. It's stunning, isn't it? Well, I wish we could go back to your, your article that we've done before from, uh, uh, what's his name, wrote, wrote Huckleberry Finn, Mark Twain. Oh, yeah, Twain. yeah, Mark Twain. You know, yeah. about how when, it, when he went there, there was literally nothing there. Right. I mean, even goats could hardly live. Yep. And since, since Israel came 
back into the land and started doing their thing. God has prospered his people as he promised he would. Mm-hmm. But somehow, some way, it's not God's prospering them. It's the land. The land did yeah. it. The land has some magical power. Yeah, give you me know. a break. And here's, a, <clears throat> we may have had this map up as we were talking, but here's a map. And that green area there <laughs> is Islamic countries. <laughs> And that little red dot is Israel. Yeah. And so why do we think a conference like this is so interesting prophetically? Uh, I don't want to diminish the tragedy of a conference like this. It's horrible. It is horrible. It's horrible. But it's interesting prophetically for the simple reason that this is exactly what Zechariah predicted. Mm. Yeah. Zechariah predicted in Zechariah 12 and verse 3. What does that say? Zechariah 12.3, reading from the New American Standard 1995 update. It will come about in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will be severely injured, and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. And you have a parallel passage over in Zechariah 14, verse 2. Zechariah 14, 2, For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city will be captured, the houses plundered, the women ravished, and half of the city exiled. But the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. So the Bible clearly predicts that all nations will invade Israel. That's what he said. So do you think these Hamas people just wake up and say, let's have a conference and see if we can set the stage for... Zechariah 12 and Zechariah 14. Yeah. A lot of people say, well, come on, Andy, it's just a conference. I mean, what harm could that do in and of itself? Well, the truth of the matter is the book of Proverbs, (laughs) chapter 23 and verse 7, has something to say about that. Yes, sir. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. He says, do you eat and drink? But his heart is not with you. So as a man thinks, so he is. Yeah. You know, the whole blueprint of Adolf Hitler was telegraphed in advance. Come on. Through a book called Mein Kampf. Yes, sir. And we could, we could go through many examples of this. The great error of history is not taking people at their word when they say they're going to do something. That's exactly right. And so this, we believe uh, that this conference is setting the stage for this uh, End time invasion. I mean, this invasion of Israel and what they think is going to be a defeat of Israel. And boy, are they in for a shocker because God is going to show up and protect Israel. But they just act like it's a done deal. They do. The only problem we have is not killing off all the smart Jews. Mm -hmm. That's their only problem. Well, somebody has to maintain everything in the country, right? That's exactly right. Who's going to do it if it's not the the smart Jews that that created it all? Hey, by the way, you know, Jesus said something very similar to Proverbs 23.7. He said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There you go. There you go. So Uh, anti-Semitism is supposed to reach its fever pitch, zenith, in the second half of the tribulation. Mm Mm-hmm. Revelation 12, verses 6 through 17. And so a conference like this, we, for all of the reasons we've tried to explain, we believe is prophetically significant. As we bring to you today, not just random news items, but items that are uh, relevant from a prophetic scenario perspective. Amen. Well, let's move from there to another major development. It has to do with the new <clears throat> world order. We know that there's coming upon the scene, just prior to the return of Christ, a one-world 
government yep. spearheaded by the Antichrist. Yes, sir. It's predicted in many passages of Scripture, but one of the most conspicuous is Daniel 7, verse 23. All right, Daniel 7, 23, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. Now, you don't have to like the fact that it's coming, but Bible prophecy predicts it's coming. It's coming. And I think the global leaders are rattling their sabers very, very loudly these days as they talk openly about this one world government. Mm. Here we have this article from the Epic Times by Jack Phillips, October 10th, twenty. 21, and it says, Treasury Secretary believes Congress will pass, watch this now, (laughs) a global minimum tax. Good grief. So we are being taxed, if this proposal goes through, not based on the desires of the people influencing their elected representatives, but what the globe wants to do. Right. And with the power to tax, as Chief Justice John Marshall said in his famous uh, uh, decision in, uh, I think it was um, McCulloch versus Maryland, with the power to tax mm. mm-hmm. is the power to destroy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so once you give a government power to tax, it rules you. And here we're learning about a global tax that's on the horizon, meaning that we're being ruled <clears throat> by... Uh, global governance. Yeah. What does that article say? You know, Pastor, it's bad enough they're taxing us like <laughs> yeah. they do here in our country. Right. At least the money goes to, in some sense, to the benefit of our own people. Right. Not so here. Not so here. All right. Here we go. Treasury Secretary, Secretary Janet Yellen said she believes that Congress will likely approve a bill to implement the global corporate minimum tax agreed upon by 136 countries last week. Speaking to ABC News on October 10, Yellen said that a proposal to include the United States in the global corporate minimum tax plan would likely be part of the $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation plan that Democrats are trying to ram through Congress. Quoting, yes, I'm confident that what we need to do to come into compliance with the minimum tax will be included in a reconciliation package, Yellen told ABC. Continuing her quote, I hope that we, that it will be passed and we will be able to reassure the world that the United States will do its part. Like we don't do our part now, right? On October 8th, more than 100 countries agreed to set a minimum global tax rate of 15% for big corporations and make it harder or, and made it harder for such businesses to avoid taxation. But Senate Republicans have argued that this would require a new international tax treaty mm-hmm. that would require ratification with a two-thirds Senate majority. Republican senators told Yellen in a letter that they were concerned the Biden administration was considering circumventing the need to obtain the Senate's authority to implement treaties. Under the Constitution, the Senate must ratify and treat any treaty rather with a two-thirds majority or 67 votes. Yeah, let's let's stop there just for the sake of time. All but right. you've got this tax 
coming into existence because 136 countries around the world want it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, whatever happened, I bet they do. whatever happened to the foundation of the United States, which is taxation, no taxation without representation. Amen, brother. I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't vote for, neither do you, these mm-hmm. leaders of 136 countries. No. Yet they're determining tax policy for the United States. Apparently. And you've got a few... Um, intelligent voices in the Senate saying you can't do this because mm-hmm. this is a treaty. Yeah, hello. And a treaty requires a two-thirds supermajority ratification in the Senate. So yes. the treaty clause there is being ignored, and this global tax is on the precipice mm. of being rammed, jammed, mm-hmm. and crammed uh, right down our throats. And if this is not a sign of the New World Order... And its newfound power flexing its muscles, I don't know what is. Do you? No. You know, Pastor, once again, when you read stuff like this, it just, it just makes me feel so amazed at the wisdom of our founding yes. fathers when they established these principles. You know, you can't just, you know, you can't go make a treaty. The Senate has to approve it. Well, yep. they did that for a reason. Yes, sir. And they were prescient and they had a biblical worldview. Exactly. And that's why the progressive left, their agenda, more on this in a minute, down the road, <laughs> yeah. their agenda is to tear down the founding fathers that's through right. what's called critical race theory yep. that's right. at every turn. That's right. But the United mm-hmm. Nations is continuing to flex its muscles, not only in terms of global taxes, but also in terms of criminalizing speech. <laughs> yeah. Don't you dare mm-hmm. criticize alternative lifestyles. Or you can go to jail. Criminal mm-hmm. penalties can be assessed against you. Yeah. So we here we have an article from Prophecy Newswatch, October 13th, 2021. UN report suggests criminalizing criticism of LGBT ideology. What does that article say? The UN Secretary General put forward a new report to the General Assembly calling for, quote, criminal penalties against anyone who criticizes gender theory, sexual orientation, gender identity, and even sex ed, close quote. The September report produced by independent expert Victor Madrigal-Borlos, working under the aegis of the Human Rights Council, argues there is a substantial, quote, backlash against the human rights advances achieved by homosexuals, transgenders, and that this backlash threatens and and perpetrates violence against these persons. Unsurprisingly, Madrigal Borlo cites the Christian church as a particularly egregious threat, stating that the church's doctrines on life and family constitute a violation of human rights law. In short, Madrigal Borlos writes, quoting, Practices of exclusion not in conformity with international human rights law must be treated accordingly, including by placing them under the legal framework for hate speech and hate crimes. Madrigal, Madrigal Borlos' calls to criminalize the Christian view of sexuality and family will thus not be heeded in the interim. But he is doing what LGBT activists have proven very effective as for decades, laying down a paper trail to be used by activists 
in the years ahead. So here they want to criminalize speech at a global level. They want to criminalize anybody that would criticize alternative lifestyles. But not just anybody. Yeah, who else? The Christian church. The Christian church. (laughs) That's what it says here. So if I give a sermon against Romans 1, I go to jail? Is that what it's saying? That's that's what what I'm reading. If I stand up and preach heterosexual monogamy out of Mm -hmm. Genesis 1, I could go to jail? That's, That's what it says. And... Although this is just a report, I like the last line of this article, which says, but he is doing what LGBT activists have proven very effective at for decades. Yes. Laying down a paper trail. Didn't you just talk about, be careful what you put in writing? I believe I did. (laughs) Laying down a paper trail to be used by activists in the years ahead. So if I'm understanding this right, they are putting into place the foundation or the fabric Mm-hmm. Or the the structure, not not at the local level, not at the federal level, not at the state level, not at the national level, but at the global level mm-hmm. to criminalize speech. Yeah, that's and 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 you put that alongside this proposal for a global tax. And do, do we not see Daniel seven verse twenty three coming into existence? Oh yeah, where this fourth empire will trample down and crush the whole earth. Amen. Isn't brother. the structure for that being put into Absolutely. place now? Absolutely. You were, you were going to say. I something? was just going to say one thing. Don't miss in this article because they throw all these things out. You know, they say gender theory, sexual orientation, gender identity, and sex ed. But the little thing they slipped in here on the sly was they say Christian view of family. Yes. So maybe you have a, your own perspective on some of these things, but if you have a Christian view of family, you're in you're in their sights. Yeah, bingo. And of course the same-sex agenda is attacking free speech already here oh, in the yeah. United States. Here we have an article by Andrea Morris, October 12th, 2021. It's entitled Christian Web Designer takes case to the United States Supreme Court after being forced to violate religious beliefs. This comes out of the state of Colorado. Surprise. It's it's exactly what Jack Phillips, remember him, went oh, yeah. through with his bakery. Yeah. Yep. The the homosexual stormtroopers showed up at his bakery, demanded he make a cake for a same-sex wedding, yep. and he said, "I'm sorry, I'm an evangelical Christian. I can't do that." Well, they 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 time up in litigation for right. years and years and years and years. Right. And this is what's happening with this uh, this gal, um, uh, uh, Lori Smith, mm-hmm. who is running her own business, a web designing business, yeah. according to her Christian faith. She's yeah. facing this exact same problem. Mm-hmm. And what does that article say? Colorado web designer Lori Smith runs her business in accordance with her Christian faith. However, the state and federal governments are telling her that she must violate her beliefs. Smith, who owns a 303 Creative Studio, is now asking the U.S. Supreme Court to hear her case in hopes that the high court will rule that she doesn't have to express messages and celebrate events that violate her First Amendment rights. 
In July, the 10th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled two to one that the artist had to design wedding websites for same-sex couples. The judges also said that Colorado can prohibit Smith from even explaining on her social media page which websites she can create based on her religious beliefs. Quoting, the government shouldn't weaponize the law to force a web designer to speak messages that violate her beliefs, argued ADF General Counsel Kristen Wagoner. The government should never force creative professionals to promote a message or cause with which they disagree, explained ADF Senior Counsel John Bursch. So let's let's change the facts around a little bit. Let's say you've got a Jewish-owned and operated bakery, and you have people in your family line that are Holocaust survivors, and the Nazis show up, and yep. they say, we want you to make a, a Nazi cake with a big swastika right. on it. And Hitler's the Jewish, face. yeah, Hitler's face, and the, yeah. the Jewish-owned and operated bakery said, "I'm sorry, that would violate my conscience." And the Nazis go and get the force of law to compel you to use your creative abilities to make something that violates your conscience. Yeah. That's what Jack Phillips has gone yeah. through, and that's what this gal, Lori, Alt Lori uh, Smith, Smith, is going mm-hmm. through yeah. with her web designing business, and. Lo and behold, you got a lower federal court, a circuit court, that ruled against her. Now, fortunately, the case is going to the Supreme Court, and we'll see what they do with it. Uh, Here's a screenshot from the attorneys that are defending her, taking up her cause, Alliance Defending Freedom. It says the court ruled that Colorado can force Lori Smith to design and publish websites promoting messages that violate her religious beliefs. If the state can override the First Amendment in this situation, then everyone's rights are on the chopping block. And there it is right there. Yeah. That, that's, that's exactly right. That's the issue. If they win this one, they've won big. Yes. And so what I'm saying is this global attack against free speech, because that's really what this is, mm-hmm. is really heating up right here in the late, great United States of America. Yeah. It's probably one of the biggest issues yeah. of our of our time. Yep. And as this New World Order is, is flexing its muscles, we have this article from Zero Hedge, October 12th, 2021, which says, Large Canadian Town Bars Unjabbed Couples from Getting Married. You believe this. So if you... Ha- if if someone wants to get married, two people want to get married, and both haven't presented the proper paperwork concerning getting jabbed, both of them don't have the proper passport, then you can't get married. Now, this is what's happening. Why don't you just put a Star of David on their arm? <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is something I mean, that, that's happening in, in Canada. This is happening right now. And uh, what's the title of this town or the name of this town? Oakville, Ontario. There's a picture of it right there Mm. on the screen. And tell us about this article from Zero Hedge. Oh, my goodness, folks. After Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's liberal government imposed one of the most restrictive jab mandates in the developed world, (laughs) one Canadian town has taken medical tyranny to the next level by refusing to grant marriage licenses to couples that aren't fully jabbed. 
the town of Oakville, Ontario, a small city with more than 200,000 residents, will not allow a couple to apply for a marriage license until they both show proof of full jab. Oakville isn't alone in trying to push more people to get jabbed. President Trudeau adopted one of the most restrictive mandates around in part to try, to, to try and force stalled jab rates higher. Trudeau and his government are demanding that all public servants either get jabbed or face unpaid leave. Mm. This includes all federal workers, quoting, in the core public administration and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Federal contractors, including cleaning staff, must be jabbed to gain access to government buildings. The government is also asking all employees in federally regulated air, rail, and marine transportation sectors must, must establish jab policies for their employees that effectively require the jab. For those who are unjabbed, it doesn't matter whether they work from home or not. Mm. <laughs> They will be put wow. on unpaid leave, wow. even if they have been doing their entire job from home. <laughs> it's just the latest reminder that this isn't about safety. Listen, folks, it's about control. I love that last line. That's there. it. Right there. You know, because everybody's worried about the virus. And I think to some extent we should be concerned. But let me tell you about the true virus. The true virus is this totalitarian government apparatus that's coming into existence to allegedly keep us all safe. Yeah. And the, the name of the game here is you better receive into your body an experimental drug. That's what it is. Whose side effects are undetermined. That's right. That arguably is made from the cell lines of aborted tissues. And you better receive it into your body. And if you don't receive it into your body, you can't work and you can't even get married. No. Uh, I hate to mm. say this, Brother Jim, mm. but the verse that flashed into my mind as I was reading this article is Paul's prediction of the last days. <laughs> and, what surprise, is, surprise. And, and what does he say here? I, I just love how God has something <laughs> in his word about everything, doesn't he? First Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 3. Here we go. But the Spirit explicitly says wow. that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods, which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. So Paul the Apostle says, let me tell you about the last days. And here's what, he doesn't just say, here's what the Spirit says. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Here's what the Spirit explicitly says. I wonder if he saw this article. <laughs> <laughs> the last days are going to be marked by people who forbid marriage. Isn't is. that what that news article That's that we exactly just read right. is all about? Yes. And they're going to advocate abstaining from certain foods. Isn't yep. that what the green movement is about and the climate change movement is about? Mm. And you can't eat meat. Yeah, get your plant burger. 
You know, and, that's Bill uh, Gates is big into that. Yes, I know. And it's almost like Bill Gates wakes up one day and reads the Bible and says, let's see if we can fulfill it. <laughs> it's so true. So it's, true. It's, it's stunning. And as this new world order comes into existence, the borders, we believe, between nations will become weaker. Yeah. Yeah. Because the name of the game is not the nation state. But it's a, the region or Globalism. transnational government. So here we have this uh, news article. It's entitled, Fox Flight Team Footage Captures More Than $100 Million in Unused Border Wall Materials. $100 million. Yeah. And so Donald Trump said, we're going to build a wall around America. We're going to fund it. The Biden administration comes to power and puts the whole project um, at a standstill. And now our borders are basically porous. And when you understand this, you understand why they had to get rid of Trump electorally. Mm -hmm. He had to go because he was a nationalist. Yes. And these people are not interested in nationalism they're interested in globalism that's he it. didn't he didn't fit the the framework and that's why our border right now is indefensible uh, yep. and it's porous and that's why our own elected leaders selected leaders i probably should say won't won't even go to the right spots uh in the on the texas border to visit what's happening because to them the border is irrelevant right what we need to do is right. conglomerate into regions and regions will give way to globalism. And we need the voice of God as we do it. So we have this article here. I think this is from Zero Hedge, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, The title of it is October 20th, 2021, authored by Joseph Watson via Summit News. The title of it is The Pope, the Vicar of Christ, Hmm. you know. The voice of Christianity, allegedly, on the earth today. The Pope demands Silicon Valley in the name of God. Notice that. Censor hate speech and conspiracy theories. There you are. So we have to take people like us, for example, mm-hmm. that give an alternative perspective on the news, and we have to remove them from the public sphere. Mm-hmm. And the Pope says, as you do that, you're actually doing it in the name of God. Yes. Didn't, didn't Jesus say yes. in John <clears throat> 16, I think it's around verse 2, uh, the time will come when, help me with the verse here, uh, the time will come when people will kill you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thinking that they're doing God a service. Right. One of the things to understand about the New World Order is it's not just political, it's not just economic, but it's religious. It, that's true. And yes. the way the Pope is being satanically used as I speak is mm-hmm. adding that religious veneer to the agenda of all of these things that we've been speaking of. Yeah. In other words, people do this and they think they're doing it for the common good and they think they're doing it for God. He's deifying this whole globalist globalist movement. Exactly. Exactly. So watch the Pope very carefully. <laughs> and, you know, in fact, I'll go out on a limb here. If the rapture were to happen today, um, it wouldn't surprise me in heaven to learn that the false prophet is the Pope. No, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, so, th- so Satan has to have the veneer of religion to get people to think that what they're doing in terms of censorship yeah. 
is is really not that bad. Right. It's actually a spiritual enterprise. Yeah. And so yeah. there's the new world order coming yeah. into existence. And as the new world order comes into existence, the United States of America must be removed. And what better way to remove the United States of America than through the Roman numeral three Gramsci method? Oh, yes. And here's oh, yes. our picture of Antonio Gramsci. We make Yes. Frequent reference to him. He is the Italian communist who basically told leadership, communist leadership of his day, and I think he got into trouble with Mussolini and found himself spending the rest of his life in the slammer. He says, you communists, you're doing it all wrong. You don't take over nations through, the, through force. What you do is you take over nations by infiltrating the realm of thought, Mm -hmm. and you take over the cultural centers of a nation, whether it's education, entertainment, um, Hollywood, um, you know, you name it, any, uh, the pulpit, the church, any institution that influences the way people think. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you just start changing the value system of that nation mm-hmm. gradually. And so by the time there's a communist takeover, the people don't even recognize it as a communist takeover because their value system has been altered. And Mussolini says that's how you change cultures. Gramsci. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, how Gramsci said you change cultures and you usher in the inevitable ultimate triumph of worldwide communism using this method. Yeah, and, and he's right. And he's, exa- he's exactly right. <laughs> he's right. Uh, he called this the long march through the institutions. Mm. So, folks, watch entertainment. Watch mm-hmm. what your kids are watching. Watch the videos that they're watching very carefully. And watch their comic books. All right, get Be- ready. <laughs> because the comic books, even as something as innocuous as Superman. Superman. American hero. Truth, justice, and the American way. Yeah. That we all grew up with. Oh, yeah. Even Superman himself will start to espouse uh, values which are very different than the values you, we grew up with. That's exactly right. So here we have uh, this article <clears throat> from Breitbart. It says, DC Comics Superman comes out as a bisexual. They've ruined my boyhood, my boyhood, you know, hero. Simon Kent, October eleventh, two thousand and twenty-one, and it's not just bisexual. Oh no! It's changing your attitude on guns, changing your attitude on the way you think about something called white privilege, changing your attitude about illegal immigrants. Mm-hmm. It's the comic book itself yep. which will do this. Yep. This is the Gramsci methodology, it, is it, it not? It is. Because how many kids just love Superman like we did and watch Superman? And mm-hmm. you, when you watch it, you're not expecting a bisexual, illegal immigrant, anti-gun, pro-white privilege value system to come across, are you? Right. And, and yet that's what's happening, according to this article. What does that say? Well... Here's what it says. According to a report in the New York Times, the new Superman, Jonathan Kent, son and heir of Clark Kent and Lois Lane, will soon begin a romantic relationship with a male friend, DC Comics announced Monday. 
The issue of geopolitics has also been broached by the character when in 2011, DC decided Superman would no longer stand for the United States, but would become a citizen of the world. Mm. In Action Comics number 900, the man who once stood for truth, justice, and the American way dropped the American way part of his mandate by renouncing his American citizenship because he was unhappy with his real-life, not comic book, U.S. foreign policy. Wow. The Superman character previously made headlines in 2017, as Breitbart News reported, when he stepped in to defend a group of illegal migrants in an edition of the comic book. The issue, Action Comics number 987, entitled The Oz Effect, features Superman putting himself between a gun-toting white man wearing an American flag bandana and a group of helpless illegal immigrants. The Kryptonian then intervenes to stop the man from shooting the, the illegals for taking his job. Superman blocks the bullets from the evil white man's gun and commands him to stop this. In 2018, DC Comics again drank deeply from the well of political correctness, taking to Twitter to assure fans that Superman stands strong alongside refugees on World Refugee Day. The iconic comic book publisher leveraged its tentpole character to push for what's right with a tweet reminding fans that Superman is a refugee, as Breitbart News reported. In fact, here is a screenshot from DC Comics, and it says, Superman stands up for what's right. Did you also yeah. know he is a refugee and this is World Refugee Day? Be like Superman and stand up for what's right. <sighs> and so, lo and behold, Superman is bisexual or homosexual, is no longer fighting for truth, justice in the American way, but is a citizen of the world, is now pro-illegal immigration, is pro-World Refugee Day, and basically is anti-Second Amendment and all about exposing white privilege. And you say, yeah. well, these comic yeah. books just sure are changing. That's by design. Absolutely. It is the Gramsci methodology. Get the kids. So um, as if all of this weren't enough, Brother Jim, <laughs> we've got this article here oh. from, from California, Gavin oh Newsom, up to it again. Here we go. Joel Pollock, October 10th. <laughs> 2021 Breitbart, Ooh. the title of it is Gavin Newsom Signs Law Requiring Gender Neutral Aisles in Toy Stores. In other words, if you're a little boy and you're interested in, let's say, glitter, you shouldn't have to go to the girl's side of the store to get your glitter because that would be humiliating for you as a boy for, uh, for, people, for people to know that you're interested in girly stuff. So to prevent that psychological damage from happening, we need safe aisles that both little boys and little girls can go to. You know, Pastor, <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to jump in here. It's, you know, in, in Texas, we have stores that are designed for people that like glitter, and they're called Hobby Lobbies. <laughs> and anybody can go to a Hobby Lobby. It doesn't make any difference what your gender is. So what's the, this is a non-issue. He's creating an issue out of a non-issue. Yeah. 
And, and of all of the things in California, they've got runaway homelessness, runaway <laughs> drug abuse. Th- this is where they want to spend their yeah. time focusing yeah. on this. Yeah. But read that article. Well, and they, re- and they re-elected him, too. So they, what, kept him in office. So yeah. God bless him. <laughs> uh, California Governor Ga- Gavin Newsom signed a host of bills in lo- into law on Friday, including AB 1084, which requires gender-neutral retail uh, departments in toy store- stores so that shoppers will not be encouraged that some toys are for girls and others for boys. The bill, authored by Assemblymember Evan Lowe, declares that differences in products that are marketed to girls or boys are unjustified and that it is inappropriate to imply they should be used by one gender instead of another. Stores can still maintain boys' and girls' sections as long as they create one gender-neutral area, Through the legisl- though the legislation is unclear whether retailers could be punished for selling the same toys in gendered and gender-neutral sections of the store. Lowe told the Los Angeles Times, quoting, Part of it is to make sure, if you're a young girl, that you can find a police car, fire truck, a periodic table, or a dinosaur, Lowe said. Continuing the quote, And then similarly, if you're a boy, if you're more artistic and want to play with glitter, why not? Why should you feel the stigma of saying, Oh, this should be shamed and going to a different location? Just go to Hobby Lobby. Yeah. You know, the thing is, they say in this article that we're not sure if there's going to be criminalization yet, if toy stores fail fail to comply. Yeah. You said it earlier, uh, once something is in writing, be careful. I guarantee you this will lead to criminalization. Oh, oh, yeah. oh absolutely. And, absolutely. Uh, the whole gender surrender mm-hmm. thing, folks, is an attack on what God says in Genesis 1, 27. <laughs> Yeah. Where it says God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So it says. There's two genders. So it says, yeah. And you're either one or the mm-hmm. other. Yeah. And you don't have a choice in the matter. It's no. determined by biology. It sure is. And it has nothing to do with emotions or dysphoria. And <laughs> the fact of the matter is... When a society becomes confused about this, the reason they're confused about it is they have rejected the creator. Well, that's it. Because the creator is the author of relationships. Right. And relationships start to not make sense. You don't understand how they fit together without God, because God is the author of relationships. And the fact Mm. that the gender surrender is so prominent now... What it really is a symptom of is the fact that our society and our culture has rejected a true knowledge of God. Absolutely. And we've become a Romans 1 culture. Yes, we have. All of this gender surrender stuff is right there in Romans 1, yes, sir. verses 18 through 32, where it says what God has revealed about himself is obvious through mm-hmm. nature, mm-hmm. yet man takes what's obvious and suppresses it. Yeah. And it says they did not honor him or give thanks. That's an active verb. Mm-hmm. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. Yep. In other words, they took the obvious revelation of God through creation, male and female, 
and they rejected it. Mm -hmm. So when you suppress a knowledge of God and you give God up, you know what God does? He gives you up. There it is. And so that's why the rest of this says, verse 24, Romans 1, mm -hmm. God gave them over. Yep. Verse 25 says, for they exchanged, in other words, they gave up on God, mm -hmm. and that same verse, actually verse 26 says, God gave them over. Mm -hmm. Then it says, men abandoned the natural function. Um, they, verse 28, they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. Mm -hmm. So God gave them over. Yep. See the pattern here? Mankind yep. gives up on God. God says, okay, if you don't want me, then I will give up on you. Yep. And once you move in that direction, God, who is the author of sexuality and sexual energy, you have no basis for understanding how all of that works because you've given up on the owner's manual. Right. Uh, the manufacturer. So you're left to your own devices to make it up as you go. And children become disobedient to parents. Yep. So Verse 30, why would they do that? Because God is the author of that relationship too. Sure that is. relationship gets confused. Yep. And what is the what is the cause of it? They, they know the ordinance of God, yet mm -hmm. they rejected it. Mm -hmm. So why has the gender surrender... Homosexuality, LGBTQU become so prominent. That's just the, that's just the symptom of the problem. Mm -hmm. The root of the problem is our culture has given up on God. We've mm -hmm. taken that's it. What God has revealed about Himself in creation and suppressed it yep. and held it down, yep. and so God says, "All right, you give up on me. I give up on yep. you. You're not going to be able to figure out." how relationships work since I, God, am the author of relationships. Where am I, what am I going no, on? No, you're right on. And, and the, one of the things I would say here is that probably the greatest act of suppression is evolution, yeah. which leads to all the rest of this. Yeah, because a knowledge of God is available in creation. It is. I mean, it's obvious God exists. Look at the intricacies of creation. Mm-hmm. Evolution gives people an opportunity to explain the intricacies of creation without the creator. Exactly. And, you know, an evolutionist sort of masquerade as people of some kind of noble, higher knowledge. Yeah. But it's just God-hating. It is. And they reject God, so God gives them over. And <laughs> go ahead, and enjoy, enjoy your gender surrender yep. and everything else you want to do yep. because... I'm God, and I created those relationships, and you can't understand those relationships without consulting the owner's manual, which you won't do anymore. That's right. So That's exactly right. with that being said, this is the, how the Gramsci method mm. is changing the internal value system of the United States. And as America declines, the new world order will come in its place. Yeah, you know Gramsci, he just got that from Satan. Exactly. So let's go here to number four, as time permits, and this is a related issue. It's how critical race theory is being used over and over again to gut the foundations of the United States. We yeah. have a statement here from the UCLA 
School of Public Affairs concerning what critical race theory is. What is critical race theory? All right, this is their definition. CRT recognizes that racism is ingrained in the fabric and system of the American society. The individual racist need not exist to note that institutional racism is pervasive in the dominant culture. This is the analytical lens that CRT uses in examining existing power structures. CRT identifies that these power structures are based on white privilege and white supremacy, which perpetuates the marginalization of people of color. Close quote. There it is. So... CRT or critical race theory is not saying that there are individual racists in the United States. If that's all they were saying, who could argue with that? Exactly. There's racists everywhere. Yes. In any country, and they need to be exposed for who they are. That's right. But that's not what CRT is talking about. Mm -mm. It's talking about the structures of the United States of America. That's why they keep talking about structural racism, systemic racism. What they're saying is the country itself and the structures it's built upon are inherently racist. Mm -hmm. So what, what do they want us mm -hmm. to do? We've got to tear all those structures down. Right. And replace it with what? They call themselves progressive. They must mean that we're progressing somewhere. Mm -hmm. I remember MSNBC a few years back, had as their logo, lean forward. Mm -hmm. Forward to what? <laughs> they never tell you. They never tell you. <laughs> and we're telling you what they mean. What they mean is global communism mm -hmm. or the new world order, mm -hmm. something that can't fully come into existence until America, via the Gramsci method, is destroyed, destroyed from within. Yeah, And... So consequently, critical race theory is used to attack over and over again, not racists, but the foundation of the United States. Mm -hmm. So here is San Antonio Spurs co coach Greg Popovich. An expert in CRT. Yes. yes. Obviously a historian. Obviously. He's a San Antonio yep. Spurs coach. Absolutely, yes. And he also likes to chime in concerning the virus. I don't know yes. what what medical school he graduated from. But Greg Popovich, I call him Greg Wokovich. Um, <laughs> NBA, it's a twit tweet here. Um, NBA coach Greg Popovich on people observing Columbus Day. Now, we just emerged a week or two ago from Columbus Day, yes. right? So what does uh, Wokovich say? It's like saying we should be proud of Hitler because we are German, close quote. Unbelievable stupidity. In other words, if you are an American oh and you're celebrating the contributions of Christopher Columbus to ultimately the United States of America. By the way, I hate to break it to Mr. Wokovich, but I don't even think Columbus landed in the United States, did he? No, he didn't. What, what then was the United States? No. So everybody that wants to you know tar and feather what became of what became the United States through Columbus needs a little bit of a history lesson <laughs> but nevertheless Columbus made contributions to western civilization he did and he's saying if you want to commemorate those it's like being german and saying you want to commemorate hitler <laughs> so what is he doing here he's using critical race theory to go after the foundation of the society not an individual racist all right 
but right. the structure right. of society is racist from mm-hmm. its core. Therefore, it's got to be toppled and replaced with something else. Yeah. Well, I, I'm here to tell you that Christopher <clears throat> Columbus was not a perfect man. God doesn't use perfect people. Thank goodness. You know why? Because they don't exist. That's right. God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. Yeah. Um, but I believe Christopher Columbus, as imperfect as he was, was used by God. He talks about it in his book, The Book of Prophecies. Most people don't even know he wrote that. No. But he tells you why he came you know, yeah. to this continent. Yeah. And what does he say here? All right. Christopher Columbus said And tell, the and tell me, as this is being read, if this sounds like Hitler yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our Lord opened to my understanding... I could sense his hand upon me. So it became clear to me that the voyage was feasible. All those who heard of my enterprise rejected it with laughter, scoffing at me. Who doubts this illumination was from the Holy Spirit? I attest that he, with marvelous rays of light, consoled me with the holy and sacred scriptures. Mm. They inflamed me with a sense of great urgency. No one should be afraid to take on any enterprise in the name of the Savior if it is right and if the purpose is purely for His holy service. And I say that the sign that convinces me that our Lord is hastening the end of the world is the preaching of the gospel in so many distant lands. Close quote. Sounds exactly like Hitler, doesn't it? Boy, sure does. <laughs> yeah. And uh, turn here, up the heat there in that gas chamber. Yeah, yeah. And here, you know. When, when Christopher Columbus comes oh, up, everybody attributes all these motives to him. He came here to enslave people. Oh, yeah. He cared to, yeah. came came to yeah. rape the ground and mm-hmm. take the gold out of the ground. Yeah. And he, he came to do this and he came to do that. Well, in his book of prophecies, he tells us exactly why he came to this <laughs> he continent. Does. He says God called him to do it. He was responding to the Holy Spirit. Yep. Everybody that heard of his voyage just mocked mocked it out loud, and had it not been for the oh, yeah. comforting of the Holy Spirit, he never would have come. Mm-hmm. And he came because he felt like he was fulfilling Bible prophecy, which teaches that the gospel has got to go into the whole world you know, before the end can come. Sounds like a Christian. And the San Antonio Spurs coach is going to equate this guy to, to Hitler. Yeah. I mean, that's how critical race theory works. Well, there's a saying, you know, when people make statements like that, <laughs> that's ignorance gone to seed. Amen. And uh, it doesn't stop there with Christopher Columbus. Now we have CRT used to attack another fabric or foundational figure in American history, a man named Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> and here is New York Mayor de Blasio. You know, I call him um, uh, uh, DeCamio. And he's using critical race theory to boot out of City Hall a statue of Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. And here's something from the New York Post. It says, moving out, de Blasio or DeCamio booting founding father Thomas Jefferson from City Hall. We can't have his... Statue in City Hall. Don't you know that he was a slave owner? Now get into the history of Thomas Jefferson about owning slaves. And what you'll discover is the state that Thomas Jefferson was in 
uh, made releasing slaves illegal. Mm-hmm. And if he released his slaves, uh, it would have impoverished them. Mm-hmm. So it would have been an act of cruelty. Mm-hmm. See, these are all little factoids mm-hmm. that the CRT crowd doesn't want you to see. Right. But see, see who they're attacking? Not individual racists today, but the structures of society. Let's mm-hmm. tear down Christopher Columbus. Let's tear down Thomas Jefferson. And by the way, if you tear down Thomas Jefferson, you know what else Here goes go. out the door? The Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Well, if we can't have a statue of him, we surely don't want to have anything he's written. And if you don't have the Declaration of Independence, you don't have America's birth certificate. That's right. And you don't have a clear... It's one of the clearest statements I know of that our rights come not from the state, but from God. Mm-hmm. And if God gives pre-existing rights, then the state cannot take them away. That's right. We would have no knowledge of that foundation without the Declaration of Independence written by Thomas Jefferson. Remind us of what the Declaration of Independence says. Well, here are just a few things. It refers to the laws of nature and of nature's God. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, he says. And he writes, with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. This is Thomas Jefferson. And so, of course, the New World Order doesn't want you to think that way (laughs) because they want to control you from cradle to grave. That means they are the giver of rights, not Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. So when de de Blasio is getting rid of the statue of Thomas Jefferson, you you might as well throw out... The Declaration of Independence, there's no logical reason for keeping that, Mm -hmm. and out the window goes inalienable rights. But the thing to understand about critical race theory is the issue is never the issue, but it's the revolution. (laughs) All right, here we go, yeah. In other words, let's use the issue of race and slavery in a very selective way. Mm Mm-hmm. But let's not apply it consistently. Because Sonia Elks in a Reuters.com article says slavery is not a crime for almost half of the countries in the world. Close right. quote. Right. So in other words, if de Blasio and Popovich were really worried about the issue of racism and slavery, why are they not turning the searchlight of truth on half of the world's population where slavery hasn't been illegalized yet? Why do they keep selectively attacking the United States, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, did something to prevent slavery? Yeah, more than any other country or nation on the planet. The Civil War, (laughs) the Emancipation Proclamation, Mm -hmm. the 13th and the 14th and the 15th Amendments to the United States Constitution, which emancipated slaves and gave recently emancipated slaves rights right down to the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which is designed to get rid of the vestiges of slavery. There isn't a country in the world that has atoned more for its past than the United States of America. And who does Popovich and de Blasio and critical race theory advocates want to attack? The United States. Mm -hmm. Islamic countries of the world where slavery is still a reality 
there's no there's no ex exposure of those countries and 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 the form of slavery in those countries is most brutal yes not to mention how women are treated that's another issue so you know my goodness this is how critical race theory works it's attacked the united states at its foundational level cuz the goal is to topple what we have mm-hmm. but to lean forward and you to, to progress and replace it with something else, and they don't tell you what that something else is. I'm here to tell you what it is. It's the New World Order. It is. Which will I- implement servitude mm-hmm. worldwide mm-hmm. on yeah. a level yeah. that we've probably never yeah. experienced in yeah. human history. Go ahead. You know, the thing that just really blows my mind is that, you know, the people who always push for these kinds of things, they're always thinking that when I get what I want— I'm going to be in power. Yeah. But what they don't understand is when you get what you want, you're going to discover that you don't have any power at all. That's right. And then it's going to be a big surprise, isn't it? It's and, too late. And, and the Popoviches and the de Blasios of the world are going to discover that they've been played like a that's, fiddle. That's my point. With what Stalin <laughs> called useful idiots. Exactly. Yes. And the Marxists say the useful idiots are the first to go once yes. the communists achieve power. Yeah. And they tell you. <laughs> they tell us exactly. So may may God oh help us to gosh. understand the time period that we're living Amen, in. Let's brother. let's look at one more thing. Uh, this is uh, media activism. <sighs> this is our last point. Do we need any more evidence that the media is not on our side? I mean, I don't know if we need any more evidence, but leave it to Katie Couric. To give us the evidence that we need. Here's an article from Brent Bozell's Newsbusters, which is an organization I I think is very good. The title of it is Couric Admits Censoring Ruth Bader Ginsburg. What? Former (laughs) very leftist Supreme Court Justice of the United States to protect her from outrage. So she featured... Ruth Bader Ginsburg, otherwise known as RBG, (laughs) thinking that she was going to mouth the liberal line. And Uh then she started saying conservative (laughs) things about criticizing athletes, you know, that won't do the the national, won't stand for the national anthem, called them fools and stupid. (laughs) Yes, she did. Well, Katie Couric just takes that part of RBG's um, (laughs) testimony. As part of this interview, and just clips it out yeah, of the. Just, just edit that just out. Just edit that out. <laughs> so help us with that, <laughs> folks. You just can't make this stuff up. Seriously, former NBC, CBS, ABC news star Katie Couric's memoir was again making headlines. This time, Couric admitted she had decided to censor potentially controversial comments from late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, where she chastised kneeling athletes and said they were, quote, showing contempt for their government, close quote. It was up to Special Report to call out this massive violation of journalistic ethics. Breaking tonight, eyebrow-raising comments attributed to the late U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and other example of mainstream media censorship. The statement never aired because it was cut out from the final presentation by interviewer Katie Couric. She, quote, deleted a key part and admits she wanted to protect the liberal Supreme Court justice from a backlash and that she was a big fan of RGB. 
uh, he also included a soundbite of Ginsburg ripping the athletes. Here's Ginsburg, folks, the liberals. Here's what she says. I think it's really dumb of them, <laughs> talking about kneeling. Would I arrest them for doing it? No, Kirk then responds. But what you're saying is it's within their rights to exercise those actions. And G Ginsburg responds, if they want to be stupid, there's no law that should pre be preventive. Preventative. That wasn't the first time Kirk was caught deceptively editing video to fit her narrative. In 2016, she was caught trying to make gun rights activists look mm. dumb and ignorant in a documentary. The docu documentary then shows the activists sitting silently for nine awkward uh, seconds, unable to provide an answer. It then cuts to the next scene. However, a raw audio of the interview between Katie Couric and the activists provided to the Washington Free Beacon shows the scene was deceptively edited. Wow. Instead of silence, Couric's question is met immediately with answers from the activists. So Ruth Bader Ginsburg says something that goes against the narrative that Katie Couric wants to promote. Exactly. And that part of it is edited out. Yeah. Katie Couric apparently has a pattern or habit of doing this yeah. Yeah. because she did the same thing in 2016 regarding gun activists, making them look like they were sitting in silence with no answer for nine seconds right. when that was manufactured. Yeah. Here, here's the thing to understand, folks. Katie Couric, uh, Chris Cuomo, <laughs> Brian Stelter, I think his name, Helter, Helter Stelter. Helter Stelter. Uh, some people call him Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> CNN... MSNBC, all of these people that show up on your television screen, they want you to believe that they're journalists. And I'm here to tell you the truth. They are not journalists. No, they're not. They are activists. That's exactly what they are. They are pursuing a particular narrative. Mm -hmm. They are not following the canons of journalistic ethics. Obviously, the way Couric is editing things and deceiving her audiences in the process. This is not journalism. Journalism used to be objective, mm -hmm. used to be factual. It used to revolve around, what was it, the, the five journalistic questions. The goal of a journalist used to be able to get to the truth. The idea of being a journalist is whatever ideological predilections you had, you suppress those in the pursuit of truth. I'm here to tell you that that is gone in the United States of America. Katie Couric is not a journalist. She is a liberal activist. Listen to me very carefully. She is just as much an activist as is Rush Limbaugh. Mm -hmm. Rush Limbaugh, God rest his soul, was not a journalist either. He was a commentator, um, an opinion commentator. Mm -hmm. The difference between Couric and Rush Limbaugh is Rush Limbaugh would tell you that. Exactly. Katie Couric wants you to believe that she's actually right. a journalist. Right. So to be completely honest, Brother Jim, I'm not even sure we have journalism today in the United States on the left or the right. I like the right better because... I agree with them more, mm -hmm. but they're not doing journalism any more than the left is. Yeah. And so that's why you can turn on one cable station and the world is raining. Mm -hmm. You turn on another ca cable station and it's sunny outside. Yeah. 
because everybody is trying to sort of, you know, promote their particular point of view, mm-hmm. which is not journalism. Now, I want to be careful. I don't think Rush Limbaugh was ever dishonest the way no. Katie Couric no. is here. But we have to be able to distinguish between activism mm-hmm. and journalism. Yeah. Where am I going wrong? No, no, you, you, you're absolutely correct. So that's our last uh, point. This is also part of the Gramsci methodology. Exactly. It's how the United States is going to be subtracted. Well, and Katie Kirk isn't the only one doing this. I mean, this has been going on forever. So I hope you enjoyed this prophecy update. Um, We've we've seen Israel, the New World Order, the Gramsci Method, critical race theory, media activism. The final three are just tools to take the United States and sort of suppress it so it becomes part of transnational government. Brother Jim, on a prophecy update, do you have any good news for us? Well, I know who does have (laughs) good good news, and that's God, and he has it for us here in Titus 2.13. So when you're thinking about all these terrible things that are going on, don't don't focus on those. Focus on this. So what you're saying is things are not falling apart. They're Ah, falling into place. Yes, that's exactly. I I steal your thunder. You you read my mind right there. Here's what Titus 2.13 says. Looking for the blessed hope. Are you looking for the blessed hope? Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing, not of the Antichrist, but of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. That's who we're looking for. And if people don't know Christ personally, that may be just listening to this as as just to be more educated, but they don't Mm -hmm. have a relationship with the God that made them and did what he did to redeem them, mm-hmm. what, what, what exhortation would you have for them? Well, you know, the word you mentioned there is the key word. It's the word relationship. A lot of people know about Jesus. Maybe they've been raised up in, in some type of a religious institution where they talked about Jesus. But the truth of the matter is knowing about him and having a relationship with him are diametrically opposed. To have a relationship with Jesus Christ means that you believe in him for the safekeeping of your eternal soul. Jesus has made many, many wonderful promises in the word of God. He says if you will place your faith and trust and confidence in him, that he guarantees you that in the instance that you do that, the moment you do that, you are eternally saved, you have a home in heaven, and moreover, you're not just waiting for heaven, but all of a sudden you now have something else in your life. You have the Holy Spirit who comes to live and make his abode within you so that you can now begin your progressive growth in spiritual things and now you become a member of the community of universal believers all through the planet here and you get to share in all the wonderful things that God has from his word for you so you know I always like to ask people if you haven't placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for your eternal salvation why not Mm -hmm. it's very simple you don't have to write a check you don't have to Uh, say a magic incantation you don't have to walk an aisle in fact you don't have to do anything that the world wouldn't typically require you to do the bible says that salvation is a free 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 gift you just receive it receive is a synonym in the book of john for believe to those who have believed on his name 
He gives them the right to become children of God. God wants you to be a child of God today, so place your faith and trust in Him. Simple as that. Wow, that is just outstanding. Just by way of wrapping up, keep in mind that my Babylon book, The Bookends of Prophetic History, is out. You can find it at dispensationalpublishing.com and also on Amazon in hard copy and ebook form. We just ba- we just barely, uh, we're just kind of coming near the end of chapter one, just started our Good study, series. midweek Bible study yeah. on the book of Zechariah, Wednesday evenings, come and, and join us for that, either live or online, 7 to 8 p.m. Central, Wednesday evenings here at Sugarland Bible Church. I'm going to be involved in a, a conference November 5th through 7th, called the How Close Are We Conference, and you can find out about that at thehiddenday.com. Here is a conference flyer. It says, How Close Are We, um, November 5th through 7th at the Harvest Revival Center in Brookville, Ohio, and you can see a lot of the speakers, including myself, that are going to be there. We've taken the pastor's point of view which we do on Facebook and we upload onto YouTube. Um, and we're also doing it in the form of a, of a podcast. Mm-hmm. So just go to your, uh, oh, wherever it is that you search for your podcast and type in Andy Woods or Andy Woods Ministries. And we've got several shows uploaded there already. Um, we're on Spotify, Podcast Addict, Pocket Cast, Listen Notes, Podcast Index, Amazon Music, Podchaser, Deezer, Player FM, RSS Feed, and of course on on uh, Apple as well. Um, this presentation, as I said before, is going to be quickly uploaded onto YouTube and also onto Rumble, so you can find us there. Just Make sure you've got your settings set properly for channels and Mm -hmm. type in Andy Woods or Andy Woods Ministries. Also put that into your YouTube search engine and our channel uh, on both platforms should show up. And we would encourage you to like, subscribe to those. And of course, all of those, like everything we produce here, is absolutely free Something else neat that we've discovered, Brother Jim, is um, you can go to something called Amazon Smile. Yes. And by going to Amazon Smile, um, you can actually do your shopping. And I think, if I'm understanding it right, some of the proceeds go to a nonprofit of your choice. And so you can give proceeds to Andy Woods Ministries. You'll Mm -hmm. find it there. I think also Chafer Theological Seminary mm-hmm. is part of Amazon Smile. We have a, awesome. a, a little bit of instructions here. Um, <clears throat> it says how to sign up for Amazon Smile. And it says on your web browser, visit Amazon.com. Smile.Amazon.com. Yeah, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Visit Smile.Amazon.com. Sign in with the account you use for Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. On your first visit to Amazon Smile, you will be prompted to select a charitable organization to receive donations for your future eligible Amazon Smile purchases. Search for Andy Woods in the charity section, or if you choose, search for Chafer Theological Seminary, another option for you. When you see Andy Woods Ministries and Sugarland displayed, click on the Select button, Start Shopping. 
remember to check out at smile.amazon.com to generate donations for your chosen charity and as a tip at a bookmark to make it easier to shop at smile.amazon.com. And there's some relatively simple instructions for you to follow also for your Amazon app on your mobile phone. So and this is after this this information is going to be sent out. So in case you didn't get all of that, if you sign up for the newsletter, is that what it is? That's exactly it. Then you get this and all this information he just tried to read to you will be right there and you can read it for yourself. Yeah. Go to andywoodsministries.org. And on the homepage, there's a way to sign up for a free subscription to our newsletter. That's become a big deal because we take these show notes that we've been reading out of, yeah. including what I just read about Amazon Smile, mm-hmm. and those will show up every time we post in your inbox. Yeah. And so you can be also a, a good Berean and search our sources to see if the things that we've been sharing concerning prophecy and the culture where we're in are really actual authentic news items. And you can go find all the mistakes I made in my reading. <laughs> Amen. And, and hopefully there's not too, I don't think you're going to find too many of those. <laughs> and also one other thing real fast is Brother Jim and myself are involved in a question and answer program on KHCB Radio, mm-hmm. which stands for Keeping Him Close By. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to it in Texas, most places, I believe, um, at least in Houston, you can listen to it live, uh, 9.30 to 10.30 p.m. Central. Right. We're typically on taking Bible questions live for one hour, and we typically do it in the last, uh, let me rephrase that, the third and fourth Thursdays yeah. of the yeah. month. Mm-hmm. Now, you can listen to it on an app. You can listen to it live, KHCB. And a lot of people complain that, gosh, that's a weird time, and I don't stay up that late, and I'm in a different time zone. Well, guess what, folks? Uh, Thanks to the work of one of our producers, Mm. the great Larry Bueller. The great. um, We have been able to take those shows where we're answering questions and to put them onto the Sugarland Bible Church website. Yes. And they're also on Sermon Audio, if I have it right. So you can go to the Sugarland Bible Church website and go to Media, Mm -hmm. go to Sermon Archives, click the drop-down menu, Mm -hmm. and select KHCB Question and Answers, or KHCB Q&A, and you'll be able to listen to every single one of those shows since Jim and I started doing them. Yeah. In fact, the show we did just last night should be up there, I think, later on this week. Mm-hmm. And not only is that a blessing, <clears throat> but we have a transcript of it as well. Oh my. In this sense, um, we have the timestamp when a particular question was asked, what the question was, and where you have to kind of queue up to or fast forward to to get an answer to that specific question. Wow. So maybe you don't even want to listen to the whole thing, yeah. but you have a burning desire to get an answer to a certain Bible question that was asked. Mm-hmm. If you look at the transcript, it'll show you exactly where to go in the audio file wow. to, to, to listen to that. So that's a, that's a great ministry, that's would you say? And Anything else you want to add? I think I've said enough. Well, one other thing. People send us some wonderful gifts. They do. And this particular cup 
that I've been drinking from all morning. It says, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. <laughs> That's what it says. So this uh, person that sent this to us is obviously a great student of our ministry because yep. we emphasize that yep. the three rules of real estate are location, location, location. Yep. The three rules of Bible study are context, context, context. You can mm-hmm. make the Bible sound any way you want if you don't care about context. That's right. Judas went out and hung himself. Yes. Go thou and do likewise. Yes. And what you do... Do quickly. Yes. So there I've made the Bible promote. And it is finished. And it is finished. <laughs> Didn't even think of that one. So there we've used the Bible to promote a terrible doctrine oh my goodness. of suicide. We better get off the air. So the truth of the matter is Bible verses only make sense in their context. And so, Amen, brother. So the, the people that sent us this obviously have a great understanding of what we're trying to they communicate. Do. There's a couple from Missouri. Yes. I don't off the top of my head. Um I want to say Martha. I want to say Martha Wagner. And I'm embarrassed that I don't have the exact name down. I should have written it down before I went on the air. So if it's not Martha but Wagner, she who, who she is, we right? will correct it next week. All right? <laughs> so with all that being said, we'll say goodbye. See you next time. Thank you for watching. God bless. 